Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Coming up on Studios America, Corey DeAngelis tells us what we can do to actively push back against the CRT invasion of our schools. Bill Maher continues to push back against insane progressivism while miraculously staying on the air. And thanks to our dishonest and awful media, there's an abundance of misinformation floating around regarding Kenosha. Let's clear up the BS and get to the facts as we do the Rittenhouse myths. Stu does America. What a crazy time we are in right now. Uh, Tonight's show kind of springs from a couple of conversations I've had with friends uh, lately. And, you know, I, I, one friend in particular I was talking to and we were trading, you know, texts and we saw a he, he forwarded me a pretty funny text, which was a guy. You may have seen this one going around about the Rittenhouse trial where he said, you know what? If you happen to have black employees, you should probably give them a day off regardless of uh, however the trial comes out. And, you know. Funny, because the idea that, you know, it's completely racist, right? Like saying that an, that an entire race of people can't handle a trial result that they're not even connected to. They can't even bother to show up to work for a couple of days is so insulting. It's remarkable. But as I responded to the to him, I said, you know, yeah, I'm sure, you know, a lot of black people are very, very uh, heartbroken about the white guy who shot other white people. This is a, not a racial story at all. And what, what was interesting is that he, he responded and said, oh, why, he didn't shoot any black people? And, like, sometimes I think we do this a lot as conservatives of people. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, by the way, blazetv.com slash stew, uh, promo code stew, save 10 bucks. Um, if you happen to join us here and you're watching this stuff all the time, you might be so involved and so um, informed on it that you you might be totally in another world as some of the people who are close to you. Uh, people who you know, might even be really well informed about most things, but don't necessarily know the ins and outs of every conservative news story. And a lot of times I think people get the wrong impression from the media and then wind up filling in the blanks and never really get the facts of a story. So tonight, I just kind of want to go through a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of big claims that we've heard from the mainstream media that might be you know, kind of cycling around your circle of friends. Maybe even you haven't looked at the case so closely and, and are wondering what all the complaining is about and might not even know uh, some of the details of this case yourself. I want to start with a podcast clip. This is from uh, Barry Weiss's podcast uh, called Honestly. Uh, It's a great podcast. If if you're not a subscriber, I'd recommend it. Um, And she went over the uh, Rittenhouse case with uh, Jesse Single, who's an independent journalist as well. And he uh, hosts a podcast uh, as well. And they just went through all the details of the case and how it was different from the mainstream narrative uh, that everyone had been told, unless maybe you're tuned into conservative media all the time. I, I want to give you this clip, though, because it, it reminded me of all the stuff the mainstream media was saying about Kyle Rittenhouse a while ago and how out of control it was. Listen. 
Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, a vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante. And that he's a white guy. And this sort of launches everyone into their corners in the way you would expect. Arguably a domestic terrorist picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, a guy who's deeply racist, went with what? weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest, looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Without any details about it, everyone immediately starts speculating about his motives. And uh, pretty quickly, I encountered the meme that he was basically like either a white supremacist or white supremacist adjacent vigilante. A white Trump supporting Blue Lives Matter social media partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. That's completely what I heard. I mean, I remember hearing that he was a radicalized MAGA fan who had crossed state lines with his semi-automatic rifle. Drove across state lines armed with a rifle to go and shoot people. With the intention to kill peaceful protesters. Kyle Rittenhouse, who has killed unarmed protesters. Running around, gunning down protesters. Kyle Rittenhouse is the enemy. Kyle Rittenhouse is the enemy. I mean, this is insane. None of this is true. So let's go through some of the myths uh, that you may have heard about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Myth number one, Kyle Rittenhouse carried a gun across state lines. This is not true. He did not carry a gun across state lines. But, you know, there might be a, an interesting legal point uh, to be made if he had crossed state lines with his weapon. However, crossing state lines is it's like this idea that they're trying to communicate to you that this uh, this guy is from way across the country. He's from out of town. He just came here just because just, just to get himself in trouble. Antioch, where he's from, is literally a border town. You cannot physically go north at all from Antioch without crossing state lines. Kenosha is only 20 miles away. Now, 20 miles might not seem like a decent amount, but it's about half the distance, 40 miles, that Gage Grosskreitz, that name was, that was going to kill me forever. Um, he traveled to Kenosha. So the third guy that Kyle Rittenhouse shot traveled twice the distance that, that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse did, and he did not transport the gun across state lines. So it's completely irrelevant. When I was in Pennsylvania, I lived in Pennsylvania for a while, and I lived right on the river. And it was a river that separated Pennsylvania and New Jersey. I lived across the river from New Jersey. I crossed state lines to get gas, to buy pizza, to commute to work. I also cross lines as well to buy my heroin, but that's a totally different story and not one you should remember. Myth number two, Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist. There is absolutely no evidence of any kind, social media postings, comments on social media, anything else from school or anything that support the idea that he is a white supremacist at all. He didn't belong to any of the organizations you've heard about. He's not online saying these things. No one heard him say anything like that that night. He at times seems to express support for the BLM protests. It is this one is literally a figment of MSNBC's imagination. Myth number three, Kyle Rittenhouse came to Kenosha to shoot black protesters. This is the one I kind of mentioned in the intro, but if he is a white supremacist, he is really bad at white supremacy. All of the people who were shot 
were white people. Now, there was one African-American involved in all of this uh, uh, hullabaloo, if you will. And that is the man. He did shoot at one African-American person. Uh, That person uh, he missed when he fired at him. He was also called Jump Kick Man in the trial. His literal name was Jump Kick Man because on video he jumps through the air and kicks Kyle Rittenhouse in the head. That's the only person who was involved in this that was black. No black people were harmed in the filming of these videos. Myth number four, I think. Kyle Rittenhouse's gun was in his possession illegally. Now, he was only 17 at the time. And if you looked at the law, we've talked about this. It seemed like this would be the one thing they might have something on Kyle Rittenhouse. But he was allowed to have the gun because it was a rifle. It, the law, and if you go back and you watch the Stephen Gutowski interview that we had earlier this week, he goes through this, I think, a little bit in the interview. But it is written in a sort of confusing way. It basically says no one under 18 can have a gun. And then later on says you can have a gun if you're uh, under 18 and, uh, and it uh, uh, has a long barrel. So essentially, you know, some people think it's, well, they just meant for hunting. I don't know. Um, now, of course... The charge was thrown out in court, so we do know how this uh, all ends. That didn't stop PolitiFact from doubling down. Um, th- th- this is, uh, they had a fact check that said he should not have had that gun. The case gets thrown out of court, and they say, well, actually, we still stand by our fact check. Here's a quote from it, because um, uh, he's the, the uh, Fumke is the guy who wrote this. He did cite what Wisconsin gun rights attorney who noted an exception to shotguns and rifles, which allows children six, ages 16 and 17 to hunt. But it doesn't apply to Rittenhouse because he wasn't in Kenosha to hunt. I thought the whole premise of the case against Rittenhouse was that he was there to hunt. That apparently has changed now. By the way, no less a legal authority than the judge in the case disagreed with PolitiFact and their analysis. That didn't stop them. Myth number five. Thank you. Kyle Rittenhouse had no connection to Kenosha, Wisconsin. This is, you know, not true, as Kyle Rittenhouse said on the stand. Why did you feel that you uh, should go around off the 59th Street car source property uh, and put out fires. To make sure my community didn't get burnt down and help. <laughs> and when you say your community, you mean Kenosha? Yes. Again, you're from Antioch. You're not living in Kenosha at this time when this all happens, right? My dad lives in Kenosha. Lots of people live in Kenosha, but you didn't, right? My residence was in Antioch. But you felt like you wanted to do things to protect this community. Fair? The community that I was part of, yes. Lots of people live in Kenosha. You didn't live in Kenosha. Where did they find this guy? He's like a, he's like a, he's like a irregular sweater. It's like in the bargain bin. Worst attorney I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, as Kyle points out, his dad lives in Kenosha, which is more than enough reason to want to stop fires in Kenosha. And here's the thing. You don't need to be a part of a community at all to want to stop fires in it. I want to stop fires all over the place, whether I'm part of the community or not. Never been to Australia, was rooting for the fires to stop in Australia. That's how this works. We should also point out that not only did Kyle Rittenhouse's father live in Kenosha, Kyle Rittenhouse himself had a part-time job in Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse's friend lived 
in Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse's grandma lives in Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse's aunt lives in Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse's uncle lives in Kenosha. Kyle Rittenhouse's cousin lived in Kenosha. Well, he was staying with his friend that lived in Kenosha. But Kyle Rittenhouse himself was staying with his friend there when protests started. This is bizarre. And you can just see the desperation falling off the case. It's the only reason you bring this up is because you're so desperate. All right. Myth number six. Kyle Rittenhouse only shot at unarmed protesters. Not true. As we've covered in depth over the past couple of weeks, uh, Gage Grosskreutz had a gun. Here's a picture of him with the gun. We drew a circle around the gun so you can see the gun. So that is pretty much, uh, I would say he's armed in that particular case. However, he wasn't the only one who was armed. Uh, or you want to talk about a deadly weapon? Well, hitting somebody over the head with a skateboard, that'll do it. Uh, there is uh, Huber uh, hitting him over the head with a skateboard. Um, of course, other people were just kicking him and hitting him uh, with their fists or their feet. Totally. Uh, I mean, why would you ever be worried about that? We should also point out that Rosenbaum, who was the first person Kyle Rittenhouse shot, threw a bag at him while chasing him. And this was sort of demeaned in the trial. Oh, I'm so sorry. A bag came out you. Now, he didn't know what the bag was. He was being chased by some crazy person who had previously in that night said he was going to kill him. Now, that bag was not, I guess, a weapon itself in retrospect, but there's more than that to that story. I'll give you myth number seven. Kyle Rittenhouse fired the first shot of the night. Not true. Just as Rosenbaum was chasing Rittenhouse and had already threatened Rittenhouse and had already talked about death and destruction all night long, and then he threw a bag at him, another separate gun goes off in the direction of Rosenbaum. Now, Rittenhouse doesn't know where this is coming from. He thinks he might be being shot at. He doesn't know if it's a warning shot. I mean, in the moment, he has no idea. He realizes he's in danger. Right or wrong, it wasn't Rittenhouse that fired that first shot. Now, let's do myth number eight. Kyle Rittenhouse went to Kenosha looking for trouble. Did he now? Well, go over the facts here for a second. He spent all day walking around asking people if they needed medical care. He's on multiple interviews shown where he talks about uh, trying to help people. He's yelling, friendly, friendly, friendly. Don't, in other words, don't pelt me with rocks. I'm a friend. I'm a friend to you guys. Um, he's saying that to everybody. If he wanted to shoot people, he had plenty of time and people to choose from all day long. He only started shooting when he was being attacked. And even in that process, I should remind you, when he points a gun at someone who's attacking him and that person backs off, he does not shoot them. So again, he could have allowed the attack to occur and shot them and been completely justified. Instead, he tried to scare them away first and when they continued to attack, he had no other choice. Myth number nine. Kyle Rittenhouse only shot at innocent protesters fighting for racial equality. Ah, yes, this classic one. You see, if you, say, you throw in the racial equality part, well, then how I can't believe this bastard shot people. Maybe he is a racist. Well, the people Rittenhouse shot were far from angels fighting for equality. Gage Grosskreutz 
had all sorts of charges, including, by the way, very recently before these incidents, he was arrested for prowling. He was videotaping officers' personal vehicles and their license plates. Have you heard that from the media? He, of course, had other previous cases about drunk driving. He was uh, caught drunk with a gun. He had a burglary charge. He had harassed his ex-girlfriend. And he even hit his freaking grandmother. Are you really cheering for the guy who hit his grandmother? What does that say about you, you bastards? Anthony Huber is one of the guys who was shot, the second person shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. He had repeated run-ins with police, including repeated charges of domestic abuse. He had charges of strangulation, false imprisonment, and various weapons charges over the years. And Joseph Rosenbaum deserves his own show. Honestly, we could go into this. It's so icky, I really don't want to discuss all the details, but he spent over a decade in prison for child molestation. And I will say this. Rarely do you say, you know, child molestation... That's kind of underselling it. That's the case here with Rosenbaum, okay? Child molestation gives you the very ugly picture in your head of something very icky. However, I read the complaint, unfortunately, and it's much worse than you think. It's absolutely fair to say the man is a child rapist. He was charged with multiple counts of raping a a child between 9 and 11 years old, along with tons of other horrific acts. Some of those might be described as child molestation, but a lot of this stuff went way over that really high bar. Uh, He had just left a mental hospital over a suicide attempt, and he was threatening people on the scene, and at times even, listen closely, asking to be shot. Shoot me, shoot me. He says it multiple times in that video, and that's just one of the examples. Um, I think there's a good argument to be made that Rosenbaum was sort of committing the equivalent of suicide by cop. He's charging at a guy with an AR-15. He's harassing him all night long. He had just left a mental hospital because of a suicide attempt. It seems like, I mean, we're reading into this a little bit, but it seems like he did something here knowing what the outcome was going to be. Now, remember, the media first said he was a white supremacist out there to kill people. They stuck with that narrative no matter what the truth was. And they said over and over again, no matter what the witnesses were, no matter what the video said, no matter what the truth was, they were sticking with their narrative. And this is the thing I think that's the bigger problem here. We're in the social media age. Everybody knows that. It's the excuse for all bad behavior. And it, and it does apply at times. It's true. It's a major problem. And often... And this even happens on our side sometimes where people will see an event and jump to a conclusion. Think, oh, this has to be this fits my my priors too perfectly. It has to be this. And that's what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. White guy, gun, Black Lives Matters protest. It had to be some white supremacist racist who was there to kill. That's what they believed. The problem here is that even after an entire year of being able to absorb the evidence, watch the video, hear from the witnesses, these people in the media are not changing their minds. They're not allowing facts to get in the way of their story. This, you heard the clips that I played from the very beginning of all this going down on mainstream media at the beginning of this monologue. But let me give you one from just a couple of days ago. This is not, October, this is not August 2020. This is... November 2021. 
Watch. If you look at the Rittenhouse case, he crossed state lines. His mama drove him across state lines, dropped him off so that he could help the cops or do whatever he thought he was doing. And the only person who fired shots that night was Rittenhouse. Uh, but but we're seeing this this somewhat unequal doling out of justice. And right now it's left up to uh, juries of our peers. Everything he said in there was wrong. And if you talk about just who fired the shots, Kyle Rittenhouse did not fire the first shot of the evening, as we talked about here. But there's a moment where you watch Kyle Rittenhouse. You've probably seen the video where he's walking towards police with his hands up in the air. And as he's walking towards police behind him are, I think, 16 different gunshots. 16. He was not the only person who shot. He did not cross state lines. His mom did not drive him. All of the things you just heard were wrong. And he's a person on television as an expert commentator about a case that is more than a year old. This is the rise of intentional error. These are not errors. This is intentional malfeasance by the media. They continue to do it. And there seems to be no end in sight. If you had to guess how many points the average American could add to his or her credit score, what would it be? I mean, I feel like you could add maybe five or ten. Maybe they made a mistake somewhere. How about 97 points? Have you ever tried to get a loan? The difference of 100 points in your credit score is massive. And that kind of improvement to your credit score means, you know, faster loan approvals, huge discounts, low interest rates. You know, I'm in the middle of a refinance uh, situation right now. I'm getting a lower interest rate. It's going gonna, it's gonna to save me a fortune. And of course, I'm obviously going to go out and immediately spend my savings on nonsensical, you know, whatever I want, really. Uh, stuff with absolutely no value at all. If your credit score could use some improvement, uh, then ScoreMaster could be exactly the right thing for you. Maybe you'll even be a little more responsible than I am. There's only one way to find out. You need to sign up today. It's super fast and only takes about a minute to get started. You can try it for free and see how many plus points you can add to your own credit score. Go to scoremaster.com stew. Get started there, scoremaster.com slash stew. See how many points you can add to your credit score at scoremaster.com slash stew. Let me bring in Corey DeAngelis. He's the National Director of Research for the American Federation for Children, as well as an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Corey, thanks so much for coming on the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, so much has been going on right now in our schools. Uh, We've seen sort of this... I don't know. Maybe I, I like to think of it as an inspiring uh, rising up of parents across the country who are sick and tired of of being knocked around by public schools and having their kids taught you know tons of nonsense. Is this the right way to look at it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We're seeing a parent uprising unlike we've ever seen before. And the way that I would put it is that parents are the new special interest group in town and they're not going away anytime soon. For a long time in the K-12 education sphere, the one influential union has been the teachers unions and the politicians have essentially caved and catered to them for far too long. But now there's this new one in town, the parents, and I'm optimistic going forward because look, the reality is parents care about their kids more than anybody else and they're going to fight for the right to educate their children as they see fit. 
harder than anybody will fight to take that right away from them. So this parental uh, empowerment that we're seeing right now, uh, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Parents aren't going to forget how powerless they felt when the schools closed in March of 2020 and the teachers unions fought as long as possible for it to remain that way. They're not going to forget how the system left them behind for so long. And they're going to fight to make sure they never feel powerless ever again. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think a lot of us, particularly people in the audience who are conservative, look at this and they see, you know, some of the sort of wild gender stuff, some of the crazy books in the library, some of the CRT training um, and say that's what kind of um, animates them. But I think like this is a multi-layer thing, particularly tied to what happened during COVID. You know, we all know that we look at the COVID numbers and we see that while it's very dangerous for, for a certain set, a section of the population, children, thank God, are not affected uh, in dramatic ways by this. And yet they were the victims. They were the ones we put all of the costs on with none of the benefit. And parents look at this and say, you're costing my kid their friends, their education, and all these other things for no, no obvious gain. And I think that's, that's part of what's animating this. It's not just the, the stuff that kind of splashes around Twitter. Well, look, yeah, it's it's because the union knew that they could hold children's education's host, education hostage as long as possible in order to argue to the federal government for why they need more resources in order to reopen. It's kind of hard to argue for more goodies when things are already normal and things are going fine. So they had an incentive, a perverse incentive mm. to keep the schools closed, whereas the private schools had an incentive to open because they knew if they didn't provide a meaningful service, well, then their family, their customers, the families could walk and take their children's tuition dollars elsewhere. And that's that's kind of the problem that has been exposed, this massive power imbalance that's long existing between the teacher union monopoly and individual families. But there's another side benefit here too, right? It wasn't just this light went off in the heads of families because the system didn't really care all that much about them and that it was inadequate. But the remote learning for all the bad that happened with learning loss and mental health issues with students and social issues that students gained weight over the pandemic like we've never seen before. Parents got to see what was going on in the classroom and they started to push back at school board meetings because they're understanding that even if they thought their school was a good A-rated public school before, they're starting to figure out that their school isn't as good as they thought it, that it was, particularly when it comes to being in, aligned with their values. and. Nothing's going to motivate a parent to push back harder than if they see that their school is indoctrinating their kids uh, in, in ways that don't align with their values. So this is an, a great argument for school choice, allowing the money to follow the child to a school that best aligns with the parents' values and, and best meets their educational needs. And we're calling this the year of school choice. 2021 is the year of educational freedom because 19 states, if we count uh, North Carolina's budget bill that just passed uh, very recently, 19 states have expanded or enacted programs to fund students as opposed to systems. And I don't. I think we're just getting started. It's not just going to stop now. I'm very optimistic going forward because parents aren't going to forget what they saw over the past year. And they're going to fight as hard as possible going forward to change things so that their kids are raised in the way that best aligns with their needs. First of all, we should point out that it was not just kids gaining weight. Uh, lots of dads uh, gained weight over COVID as well. We should include all of us more rotund people in that particular measure. Um, but, I, you know, it's interesting. I, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, Corey, because I struggle with this throughout the entire time with COVID. 
we had we did so many shows where it seemed like the theme of the show was why don't we open these public schools? And I just kept saying, why do we want them open? All let, we, it ha- let, it ha- let it happen. Let it happen. <laughs> Have them closed down. I, I can tell you, you know, my kids don't go to to uh, to public school. They go to private school. And I said, that's it's my it's the best dollars I spend every single year. I, I never feel bad spending money on private school. And, you know, it's one of those things where now we are seeing a huge influx of kids into into the school. My kids are going to because their their parents, as you said, saw what the hell was going on in the schools their kids were going to. I feel like this is a huge missed opportunity if we don't if we don't grasp it to to to, to take an engaged audience of parents who've never thought about these things before and say, get them out of this system. Yeah. And look, there already has been a mass exodus from the government school system. The latest federal data that I've seen is that one point five million students have left government schools over the past year and a half, whereas charter schools have seen a seven percent increase in enrollment in private schools in places that had more closed public schools. They're seeing the benefit of that as well. And uh, look, I think we're seeing that it's politically advantageous to support parental freedom and parental rights going forward, like we saw in Virginia. Yunkin was the education guy, and in exit polling from Washington Post, he won with education voters by about six percentage points, and education was the number two issue uh, just behind the economy and jobs. I know, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Obviously, universities are important, but I feel like we've focused too much energy on the uh, on the universities over the years, and the K to twelve stuff is really, really important. Is there? Because you know, look, not every parent can homeschool. Not every parent can get their kid into charter school or pay for a private school. Are there ways to help parents who might not have the resources to get their kids out of these schools and get them into a place where they can learn the things that are really important uh, to their future? Yeah, the best way to do it is something called an education savings account. And the number of states with education savings accounts actually doubled this year from five states to 10 states. And several other states expanded other uh, types of school choice programs. But this is the gold standard of uh, funding students as opposed to systems. The money that would have followed your child to the government school, you could still take it there if you want. Uh, if it works for whatever reason. But if not, that money would follow the child into something called an education savings account, and you could use it to pay for private school tuition and fees, but you could also use it for private tutoring. You could use it for special needs therapies. You could use it for micro schools and pandemic pods, any approved education expenditure. So it really takes us from the conversation of school choice to educational choice. And I think that's the gold standard going forward, and most uh, smart legislators are pushing those types of bills uh, because it's it's the best form of school choice that we have available. Uh, West Virginia is one of the states that had the biggest victories. They had no private school choice or even charter schools on the ground last year. And then this session, in 2021, they passed the most expansive education savings account program in the nation. And look, that'll lead to more equity in society at the same time because – Advantaged families are already more likely to have school choice in one form or another. They're more likely to be able to pay for private school tuition and fees out of pocket, giving the money directly to the families as opposed to the closed failing government school buildings allows for more families to access educational opportunities. So school choice in that sense is an equalizer. 
Well, I will say it's so much fun to pay both taxes and t- tuition. So I don't know if I want to miss out on that wonderful experience every year. But, Corey, this is great news. And I, I'd love to keep uh, up to date with you on this stuff because I think between, you know, these, these moves you can make with the law and also I think through charity, I think it's an it's a, it's a, a underrepresented part of charitable giving that we could help kids who would love to go to a private school and, and just can't afford it. Um, I'd love to get, you know, to have you back on and, and watch this closely because I think there's a real opportunity to make a real difference in kids' lives with this stuff. Uh, Corey DeAngelis, uh, he's the National Director uh, of Research for the American Federation for Children, and he's with the Cato Institute as well. Thanks so much for coming on the pro- uh, program, Corey. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. We've seen the difference that you can make when you're, you know, you're talking about what you care about, what you believe in, what you're passionate about uh, online. And in making content, it is an essential part of you know, what I do here, obviously, to keep this show going. But it isn't always a seamless creative process. Uh, Canva Pro is awesome. It's, you can design like anything uh, with Canva Pro uh, to go on social media or a website or whatever you want. And you can do it on any device. Canva Pro is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. And like everyone can post some video. Maybe you're doing a school board meeting or something. You want to get that video out there. Putting a little a little flair and energy behind it can really make a difference and draw a lot more eyeballs and make a difference for whatever you care about. Designing with Canva Pro is amazingly fast and fun. You can choose from thousands of templates that are easy to customize or going to start from scratch. Canva Pro has endless premium fonts, photos, videos, and so much more that add personality and edge to whatever you're designing. It's never been easier to do this sort of stuff, and Canva Pro helps you stay organized on the same page and on top of team projects. Plus, you and four teammates can unlock everything Canva Pro has to offer for 13 bucks a month. It's $12.99 a month. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you get 45-day free extended trial. When you use my promo code, just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A, dot me slash America. And you can get uh, your free 45-day extended trial, C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash America. Canva dot me slash America. Okay, so there's a contest going on here at Blaze TV, and I don't know how it started, um, but I know I'm drawn into it. You know, you don't always uh, start a war yourself, but if someone's at war with you, then you're in a war. You have no, no choice but to fight that war, and that's why we want you to buy our merch with our stupid code STEW20. Yes, you will save 20% off the merch at studosmerch.com, uh, which has all sorts of stuff. And as we get close to Christmas, these are great presents for any conservative in your life. As Chad Prather, who I believe was the man who fired the first shot in this war. Okay, that's what I believe. Uh, as he said, Stu has the best merch. And he's right about that. You can't deny it. It's obviously true. We have the best merch here. Use my code Stu20. Save 20%. In fact, we have right here, if you want to have, you might say, like, what, war and Christmas? How can you put those things together? Christmas isn't a violent time. Oh, yeah? Well, that's why we have Santifa Claus. Okay? Right here. Uh, a combination of Santa Claus and Antifa. I mean, most likely this Kyle Rittenhouse thing comes out and, and, you know, a couple cities are going to burn to the ground. Why not celebrate with Santifa Claus? We've got that. We've got a new one um, with him on it as well that says uh, it's Christmas re-education training CRT. And it's Santifa Claus. It says uh, he knows when you're not sleeping. He knows when you're not woke. You don't want him to beat you over the head with that club. We also have this one, too, which is kind of a it's almost Kyle Rittenhouse themed at this point. It's a city on fire with a Christmas tree, and it says it's not a riot. It's just a mostly peaceful tree lighting. 
Get all of it at uh, stewdoesmerch.com. The promo code is stew20. Help us win a war as well as hook up your favorite conservative with some great Christmas merch. Okay. In speaking of CRT, we've told you about South Lake, Texas, this is a town kind of pretty near where we live uh, here in uh, in uh, we're in Irving, Texas. Um, and so they have this whole situation where they had a CRT buildup in South Lake. Uh, the community stepped up and said, whoa, 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 we don't want this. We're, you know, a red area of town. We don't want this craziness uh, in our in our schools. So they started electing school board members to push back against CRT. I mean, this is like the American story, right? Like this is we're supposed to be excited about this when people actually get engaged in their communities. Well, eh, people didn't like it all that much. There's a lot of people around the country that didn't like it all that much. And now the U.S. Department of Education's Office for Civil Rights is investigating allegations of discrimination in, in the South Lake School District called Carroll Independent School District. Um, it is uh, a ridiculous, ridiculous story, but it's a very specific message being sent by Washington, which is you can you parents can step up all you want. We're still going to crush you. We're going to come in and we'll just do it a different way. You start electing the wrong people. We'll make sure you do the right thing as we believe it should be done. Can Texas, can South Lake Texas push back against it? They've tried really hard so far, and I, that battle will definitely continue uh, in Texas. We'll uh, keep you updated. And it's all this kind of craziness when it comes to CRT and gender and all of this, I don't know, virtual insanity that is starting to affect not just right, uh, right-wing red states, not just uh, conservatives, not just Republicans, but people from across the entire nation, from all political viewpoints. The, maybe the highest profile person who's been doing this is Bill Maher, who is absolutely a liberal, as he would tell you. But he sees this stuff going on with the wokeness and the craziness, and he thinks it's just as insane as you do. Here he is talking to one of the worst people on earth. I think there's a, a, a lot of old school liberals like me who don't like what's going on on the far of the left. I always keep, I keep saying, when you're doing something that sounds like a, a headline in The Onion, that's when you've gone too far. You know, Land of Lincoln cancels Lincoln. That really happened. You know, they tore down Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln isn't good enough for them. Seattle, the city council voted to decriminalize crime. <laughs> this is an onion headline. You know, I saw one very recently. Maybe babies should vote. What do I mean about the party of no common sense? New York uh, City. They took down Thomas Jefferson from in front of City Hall. Yeah. You know, ACLU official um, advocates banning a book. These are onion headlines, and yet this is where this party is. Or I don't think that's where the party is. It's where the, the faction that gets all the headlines, and again, it goes in the blue bin. And the ac- ac- average voter sees that and attaches it. Good job by Chris Cuomo in that interview. Uh, I thought he did a great one, a wonderful job. And I, since he only said one sentence, he only spoke one sentence too many. Uh, Chris Cuomo was worse com, by the way, in case you wanted to get that uh, particular merchandise. Uh, look, Mars right here, right? I mean, this is just common sense. And honestly, it's a gift. It's a freaking gift to Republicans. Can Republicans screw it up? Of course they can, because that's usually what they do. But I mean, this is an absolute gift. You hope and pray your opposition in politics goes insane. That's how you win. 
the Democrats have gone insane. And as uh, Marr points out, it's not every single Democrat uh, necessarily, but there are fewer and fewer uh, people like him who are Democrats who want higher taxes maybe and want um, more social spending, but, you know, aren't like insane in saying, uh, you know, we should decriminalize crime. This, these are gifts. It's why someone like Eric Adams in New York is dangerous uh, for Republicans, because it's someone who actually seems to take crime seriously, even though he's nuts on a bunch of other issues. We, uh, our country would be better off if we had a Democratic Party that was sort of sane, that when we lost elections, things didn't completely fly off the rails. We don't have that right now. It would be better if we had it. But in the meantime, you should just beat these guys at the polls over and over and over again. They are begging you to defeat them. You should probably do it if you're a Republican. Some things we can all agree on, no matter what party we are in, and uh, maybe like the value of a good night's sleep. You spend a third of your life in, in bed. You should probably enjoy that third of your life. That's why no gift will be more appreciated this holiday season than Cozy Earth's sheets, pajamas, or loungewear. Ah, their stuff's awesome. The pajamas and loungewear are so comfortable. The sheets are so soft and just fantastic. Cozy Earth's bedding and loungewear are temperature regulating, so you'll sleep comfortably all year round. With thousands of five-star reviews, it's no wonder Cozy Earth sheets have become the bedding of choice for interior designers and celebrities all over the country. You've probably seen their stuff online. Cozy Earth is so confident you'll love their products. You can try anything with their 100-night trial that's risk-free. Now, you hear, you hear these trials from companies sometimes. You're like, oh, well, you can have it in your house for nine minutes, and if you don't like it, return it. This is 100 nights. If you can't figure it out in 100 nights, what are you going to do? It's holiday season. Give the gift that will be appreciated every single night. Cozy Earth bedding and loungewear. Now, uh, the, the audience of Stu Does America can save 35% on Cozy Earth bedding and loungewear. Start your holiday shopping right now. you got to get it done. CozyEarth.com. The promo code is Stu. You'll save 35%, 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Promo code is Stu. CozyEarth.com. Promo code Stu. You can always watch the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash America, and you can comment live on the show. Make sure you go and subscribe. We keep growing in subscribers, but we need more of you. Please do. Uh, this one comes up about uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Glad there are, are, are alternatives to mainstream media to provide us with the facts to this case. Ugh, if we didn't have uh, conservative media on this one, I mean, this, not only would we not know anything about this case, this kid would be toast. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be in prison for the next 50 years. So... Thank God that's not happening, uh, we hope. Ricky uh, writes, a good interview. Uh, I like your session, Stu. Thank you for uh, all that you do. The McPlant review made me laugh. Luckily, I'm gluten intolerant, so I can't do fast food. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have to eat the McPlant. That's, that's, that's fair. Um, okay, uh, this one comes in on podcast, by the way. You can subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Uncle Al writes, love it. Nice mix of info and humor. And Stu, don't take grief from O'Reilly on Fridays. Oh, my gosh, that's tomorrow, isn't it? O'Reilly on, on radio tomorrow. We'll have to take some more grief. That's okay. It makes him feel good. He's a nice, he's a nice man, and it's nice to make him feel good, whatever uh, you know, retirement home he's currently in. 
Um, by the way, make sure you subscribe uh, to our podcast. And when you do rate five-star reviews, remember you're not only doing something good for this show, but you're hurting other podcasts as well, like Bill O'Reilly's. You can always help us uh, by uh, doing that and making sure you nail, pound that five-star review. And then everybody in your family does it. And then everybody at the end is super happy. Back in a second. If there's somebody you love who happens to not like Joe Biden, get him a, a Taliban Joe Christmas card. Might be a nice way to send him a card. Or someone you hate, maybe someone's putting a vaccine mandate on your infant. You can send him one of these. You're doing life wrong. I like to make these out. There's someone to Liz Warren. Dear Liz, I applaud you for refusing to gracefully fade into the political background after your humiliating primary loss. It's always such a joy to watch you embarrass yourself in the press by being wrong about so, so many things. Just like today, after you've blamed our inflation crisis, not on Joe Biden and his idiotic decisions, but on price gouging. I really needed a big laugh and like, you really delivered as you typically do on that front. Might I recommend you take 15 minutes to watch Stu Does Price Gouging from a while ago and maybe you'll learn something for once. And of course, good luck with your mission to release all those drug dealers from prison. I assume we'll be seeing you in 2024 if you can manage to outpoll BDSM Beto, who will always, always wants a little bit more punishment and will need to heal from yet another loss in Texas. Love you, Liz. Bye-bye.